Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Jets fans, want $50 off your next round of drinks? Try Tap RM. They deliver the drinks right to your door so you can skip the lines and trips to the liquor store. Discover new and exclusive drinks or shop for your favorites. Don't worry, they've got all the options for you. Order your first round at taprm.com and get $50 off your first order using promo code JETS50. $50 off $100 of beer, not a bad deal. I would highly recommend it. I've done it. Connor's done it. Joe's got it. So, Make sure you go to taprm.com, use promo code JETS50, skip the lines, and get $50 off your first $100 worth of beer. $100 in beer for $50, can't beat that. Now let's get into the pod. Setting up, looking downfield, he's going to heave a bomb for Corey Davis at the goal line, into the end zone, he's got it! That's a Jet touchdown! to turn the judge podcast i'm your host will parkinson at will 11 on twitter instagram and tiktok i'll be joined by john jeskrunski in a moment uh new york new york podcast on the ringer network formerly wfam um, he'll be an awesome guest so stay tuned for that just want to hit a few things after the jets 24 17 loss to the miami dolphins yesterday Obviously, um, you know, Jets moved to 2-8 and eight or, you know, a disappointing loss, um, you know, much better, obviously, than the previous two weeks in, in pretty big blowouts. But, um, you know, uh, nonetheless, a uh, exciting game from a few fronts in the Bryce Hall and the Elijah Moore front and Quinn Williams, Sean Franklin Myers, guys like that that really impressed. Quincy Williams as well actually played really well. Ashton Davis, um, I thought, actually played really well on film. You know, obviously, the negative, you take a loss. I mean, the game where it feels like the Jets kind of lost the game more than the Dolphins won it. Um, you know, at this point in the season, you want to see the Jets stack together some wins. Um, I thought this was a favorable matchup. I picked the Jets to win 27-20. Obviously, they did not. (laughs) They did not do so. But um, Jets get over a 290-yard passer again, fourth quarterback this year to do so. Um, The defense held its own minus, um, you know, they kind of died a a bunch of death by a bunch of slow cuts at the end of the game, that four-minute drive, you know, four-minute offense for the Dolphins that ended up um, because of the Jets' woes and the kicking game. Ended up basically milking the clock down, you know, about seven or eight minutes there and um, basically ended the game with that field goal. But, um, you know, two big penalties, Jason Pinnock and then John Franklin Myers as well, um, you know, could have, you know, the sack of the Quinn Williams sack at the end of the game there that you think, oh, wow, he knocked him out of field goal range. Jets have a chance to come back here. And then you get the holy penalty on Pinnock. Um, John Franklin Myers just, 
you know, as much as great as he played yesterday, I thought that was just a really tough penalty. And it looked like frustration as much as Robert Sala said, you know, said, so just wanted to get to the quarterback so badly, um, you know, that obviously hurt overall. I thought much more competitive performance. Sala looked fired up on the sidelines um, a couple of different times. And, you know, uh, I'll, I'll start with the positive, then go right to the quickly to the negative, And we'll get John in here. Um, Positive. Elijah Moore was fantastic. Uh, we finally saw the coming out party from him. Michael Carter was awesome again. It's a real disappointment. He's going to be out two to three weeks now. Now, Michael, probably more that three to four week week range. Ankle sprains are tough, especially at that running back position. So um, I'd keep an eye on that. I, I, so he'll probably be out, like I said, three to four weeks. Um, Elijah Moore now is, you know, over this last four or five game stretches, he's on pace to be a thousand yard receiver for the Jets um, as a rookie. It's first time. Um, since 2015 with Marshall and Decker, but before that, since 2006 and 2007 with Lavernius Coles and Jericho Cotri. I mean, that's pretty special. He's been, he is their wide receiver one. Again, Carter was awesome. I think he would have gone over, the Jets probably win, and he would have gone over 100 yards if he's playing. This is his ability to catch the ball in the backfield, his ability to make guys miss. The Jets were moving the ball pretty well um, in the run game overall yesterday. I thought Flacco was fine. That turnover was a killer. And um, that's not on him, obviously. <laughs> he got destroyed. Um, but that's a that's a killer. And then the intentional grounding, which is on him, was was brutal. Knocks them back at a field goal range. Um, and, you know, something that can't happen. Um, you know, a couple other positives. Bryce Hall, I thought, was fantastic again yesterday. Um, really impressed with, you know, how he's come along in year two, that second year back from the ankle injury. Really impressed again. Uh, Michael Carter, the second I thought was okay yesterday. Uh, I thought he's, I think he is continuing to show strides. Mike Kosicki is a difficult matchup for anybody in the past game. Um, you know, drew a couple offensive pass interferences and things of that nature. You go to Quincy Williams, 15 tackles yesterday was all over the place and blowing guys up. Uh, I, I, you know, again, there's certain games where he, he looks really out of place and there's other games where the guy is one physical football player, Quentin Williams, his brother. And more importantly, um, you know, when the Jets cornerstone guys to build around looked really good, he continues a really good season. Um, you know, there's a couple of times where I was like, wow, this guy's going to have a two or three sack game. Obviously did not, but, you know, had a sack that gets called back. He almost forces a safety in the end zone. Um, you know, those are some of the really big positives, I thought. Another couple of positives, Zach should be back this week. Um, the Jets will kind of announce that Wednesday morning. Um, that said, you know, it looks all, all things kind of pointing towards Zach Wilson making his return. Um, Bryce Huff will be back, as I kind of reported earlier. Um, you know, that's a huge, huge get for the Jets. Kyle Phillips made a couple of plays, um, probably the best run defender the other day. You get, you know, Huff, Phillips, um, and John Franklin Myers kind of all going at the same time. And, you know, along with Rankins, Foley, and Q, I think that's a pretty good rotation there for the Jets defensive line that's, you know, needing to continue to play well. And they should have a good opportunity on Sunday, um, as well as the upcoming weeks. On the negative side, um, and another positive, LDT, uh, I thought I had a pretty solid debut. I thought he was a pretty major upgrade over Greg Van Rotten. Um, you know, and I think I'm excited to kind of see how that goes. It's a, you know, potential, you know, good move by Joe Douglas. We'll see. It's obviously it was super low risk. Daniel Brown's already been cut by the Chiefs. So, you know, the Jets basically took on a million and a half dollars of salary to get him over here. Um, negative front, I, th I thought Corey Davis had a really quiet day against the team in man coverage, which is, which is super concerning. Um, that's another, you know, another divisional opponent that kind of just played man on him, locked in. Look, the Dolphins have great corners. Um, Elijah Moore is a great matchup, you know, for the Jets, you know, on these corners. But Corey Davis was not. Um, he struggled pretty much since coming back. He obviously had some kind of bloated numbers last week, um, but had a killer fumble. So he's pretty cemented as the Jets, too, now. I think Elijah Moore is pretty cemented as the one. You can even argue Crowder is the two. And Corey Davis is the three, but um, again, negative front. Unfortunately, Michael Carter getting hurt is tough. Um, 
you know, the penalties are tough. The kicking game is the biggest, is the biggest frustration for me. And I, I will put this a little bit on Salah that early in the game, go for it down in the goal line. They convert 7-7. Seven, seven. It's huge confidence to show in your team. Didn't settle for the three. And then multiple times settling for three points. The fourth and five, you kick a 55-yarder. It's a momentum killer. Obviously, you know, everyone kind of in the stadium knew Amdola wasn't making that field goal. He's been pretty pretty horrendous, to be honest with you, all year. And not anything above, you know, 35, 40 yards. And then this is a 40-yarder after that. The Jets have to take a delay game because they don't trust Amendola later. That's a cost them about nine points. They lose by seven. Um, again, obviously, the turnover down in the red zone can't have that happen. I think the Jets got in the red zone, I believe, five or six times. Maybe, maybe it was seven. I have to check on that. And they got they scored 17 total points. That cannot happen. Um, that's the difference in the ball game. The Jets being going in three and seven, um, you know, into next week against the Houston team, and the Jets kind of can be able to stack wins together. Um, did not do so. Um, you know, a couple of the other negatives. I just thought some of the, the some of the holding penalties, just the self-inflicted wounds. Again, um, the Jets just cannot get off the field at, at times on, on third downs where they need they need one stop. Um, you know, and, and that's super frustrating. Again, the kicking game was just a killer. They had a huge penalty. The Dolphins squib it. Ryan Griffin returns it to about the 40, 45-yard line. Massive penalty on the Jets. Now they're back at their own 20 instead of having good field position. Again, that stuff cannot happen. And it seems like the Jets every year, um, you know, every game get a get a killer penalty on special teams um, in the kickoff game, which, which again, is, is tough. Um, you know, and I kind of wanted to address this one thing. Again, we'll get John in here in, in a moment. Um, Rooting for being being above the Jets, you know, being caring about the Jets game because Zach Wilson's not playing or rooting for losses and draft picks at this point in the season, I think is, is super frustrating. And I think people need to get over themselves in that sense. Um, I, I don't mean to come off in, in any way, shape or form, but you should be wanting to root for wins, man. Uh, the Jets are going to have premium draft picks. They're not drafting a quarterback this year, obviously. So, you know, tanking for the number one pick and things like that. The Jets aren't tanking. Um, they're rebuilding and they're, they're fully aware of that, but the Jets aren't trying to lose football games. So um, I think it's perfectly okay to expect them to compete and potentially beat the Dolphins, a three and seven team in, in New York, um, even with Joe Flacco starting. And I think it's, it's okay to root for them for, to win. You know, you need to change the culture in a lot of different ways. And one of the ways you do that is by winning. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. 
Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. Um, you know, I, I just, I can't get over the fact of people thinking that it's good for the Jets to lose. I don't, I don't see that. Um, I, I think for a young team, it's important learning how to win. That stuff translates in the 2022 and they are looking, they're going to, are going to be expected to compete. So again, um, you know, frustrating day from that perspective, the Jets not able to get a, you know, get a victory yesterday. Um, they'll go to a Houston game, um, you know, where they, they need to, they need to come out with a W. Um, Zach Wilson should be back. Bryce Huff will be back. Um, you know, Jets have a good opportunity here. The Texans are going to sit in too high shell. Um, they're going to make Zach beat them and he's got to take the throws underneath, do the simple things. And, um, you know, we'll go from there. I will bring John in now again. Um, you know, super, super excited to have him on. We'll talk a little Wilson, a little Jets expectations. Um, again, continue to subscribe to the channel, follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Check out Badlands, obviously, with Connor and Joe, who do a fantastic job. Connor, have his all 22 out soon. And then, obviously, the Turn on the Jets Live and Draft Season podcast. Thanks for everyone for listening and bringing John right now. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Turn of the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Will Parkinson, at WillPaul11 on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Joined by special reoccurring guest, host of New York, New York on the ringer, John Descramsey. John, how are you doing today? Well, I'm doing fine, man. All of a sudden, my football team remembered how to win some games. What a concept, dude. What's happening? And, well, uh, mine, mine did not. Um, unfortunately, I haven't really won many football games in the last 10 years. But, um, obviously, an interesting game yesterday, um, kind of as, as put by Omar Kelly, who I did, had on last week, uh, magical sloppiness, basically, yesterday. It was just one of those games where you kind of knew it was going to be ugly and see some terrible things. Um, but we did see some positives and negatives. Obviously, you know, Tua had a really nice play. Tua, 61 air yards on the throw. So that maybe shut up the haters a little bit and Elijah yeah, Moore breaking I mean, out. What a concept when you actually have time to go down the field. I don't know if you noticed this. Adam Orcholetta keeps saying throughout the broadcast, you know, I'd like to see Miami take more shots down the field. Well, in order to take shots down the field, you have to at least have like two to three seconds within the pocket or rollout to allow that to happen. Otherwise, that's not going to be possible. But yes, I mean, I mean, dude, if you watch college football, you know, Tua T can throw the ball. Now, I'm not going to say he's going to throw it as beautifully as, let's say, Josh Allen or Justin Herbert. He's not like a big armed quarterback. That throw to Devontae Smith in the championship game, what was that, like 50, 55 yards down the field? You give him a chance to throw it, he'll get it there. It's interesting. Yesterday was one of those games where the Jets were competitive for four quarters, but I definitely felt like they, they're still beating themselves even when, you know, the kicking game is a disaster and it's, it's tough to watch the stupid penalties. Um, where, where do you kind of leave that game? Obviously, they've been blown out a couple weeks in a row. Where do you leave that game, you know, from a Jets perspective, uh, you know, come, coming out of last night? You know, it's interesting. Obviously, they're a bad team and they find ways to lose, whether it's the intentional grounding penalty not scoring when you have about three or four possessions in Dolphin territory and you can't have empty possessions like that. Uh, the terrible penalty on the third down, like that's stuff that can't happen. But here's what I'm going to preach from a positive standpoint. Elijah Moore is a stud. He's going to have a real bright future in the league. I mean, Xavier Howard is one of the best corners in the league, basically said after the game, that dude's got talent. That dude's got some special vibe to him. I'm stoked about that if I'm a Jeff fan. I know he's going to miss the next couple of weeks. It's a bummer. Michael Carter can play. I'm watching that game. And, Will, I'm saying, why didn't the Dolphins take Michael Carter in the third round? Because he's shifty. He could catch the ball out of the backfield. He's tailor-made for the modern-day NFL. So we've given Joe Douglas's 2020 draft class a whole lot of heat, a whole lot of smoke. It hasn't really panned out. 
I think 2021, Moore, Vera Tucker, Carter. That's a nice place to start. Now let's see if you hit on the quarterback. Yeah, that, that's where I was going to kind of go with that. Obviously, look, Joe Flacco is now the fourth quarterback this year for the Jets to throw over 290 yards. The Jets are all the way up to ninth in passing offense in the NFL. The last time I had you on, we were talking a lot about, like, oh, you know, who are they going to draft? Not who are they going to draft, but, like, what are some, like, realistic expectations? I did not think I'd talk about a Joe, Joe Flacco, Josh Johnson, close to 300-yard games, although Flacco's were a lot, of, a lot of garbage time in the one big play to more. But, um, you know, Zach Wilson looks like he'll be back this week. I thought he should have been back last week, but that's a whole other discussion that um, we'll, we'll hit on another day. Going against Houston, what are your expectations watching Zach Wilson the next, you know, seven weeks if he's able to stay healthy? Obviously, it's a pretty big stretch for him. Um, similar to kind of what Tua had last year and, and other guys, uh, you know, finishing out their rookie year um, with some favorable matchups. And then he's got some tough matchups, obviously, at the end of uh, the end of the year. Well, I think it's the idea of mastering the offense. Mike White did in the Cincinnati game. And even for a, a good chunk of this game against Miami, Joe Flacco did what LaFleur wanted him to do. And I've been saying this for a couple of weeks with Wilson since he's been out with the injury. It's okay to take the six, the seven, the eight-yard completion to not put yourself in third and 11 or third and eight and third and 13 because you're a numbers guy, you're a smart guy. Well, you understand if those numbers are that way on third down consistently, you're not going to convert a lot of third downs. You're going to get off the field. Your offense is going to stall out, and you're going to have no flow, no rhythm, no cohesion to what you're looking to do. We know Zach Wilson has good arm talent. He does. We know he has mobility. But there are times where you have to understand, hey, guess what? I don't need to hit a home run. I have my chances to hit a couple of dingers when I get that fat pitch. It's okay to take the single, the dump off, the, the safe, you know, eight-yard out. I need to see that. And this is a good get-right spot, and this is a good team to go against, I believe, in the Houston Texans to kind of get that going. It's interesting. Obviously, we're both big Yankee people. And like, it's like, I feel like I have the same conversation with every one of my teams. It's like the Nets, can you not shoot so many threes? Can the Yankees try to get on base for once? Or like, you know, with the Jets, like, can Zach Wilson just take the screen pass? Like, you know, it's an easy 15 yards for you. You shouldn't, uh, you shouldn't have to throw a 50 yard bomb every week. Um, you know, in terms of, you know, you mentioned some of the, you know, promising young Jets guys. Uh, the defense has been has been frankly bad. Um, it's almost quite frankly historically bad. Um, they've they're last in DVOA. They've played the third easiest offensive schedule, which is like where it's really concerning. Uh, but Robert saw this kind of a similar, I guess, um, track of what happened in San Francisco. Salas first year, they struggled a lot the first half of the year. They started to kind of ground it out, and then next year, obviously, they go to the Super Bowl and everything kind of clicks. What do you make of that struggling defense? Is it lack of talent, coaching? Like, how do you how do you kind of feel, and, and how do you work through that that future defense if we're being honest. I think it's a combination of the two um I like the way they got after it against the Miami Dolphins on the defensive front but a lot of teams are going to do that Miami's probably got the worst offensive line in football so I expected the Jets to have some success there look the secondary is a mess I mean you saw it in the Buffalo game you even saw it with the Mac Hollins play where he's wide open 60 70 yards down the field there are way too many lapses like that and that to me is where coaching's got to kind of tighten up that proposition that's what they need to straighten out yes the talent is not good enough I mean I I think we can all figure that out but you can't keep having those lapses week after week after week after week and that's where sooner or later something's got to change like the idea of Stefan Diggs being one-on-one basically that entire game against Buffalo two weeks ago explain that to me like that that's the sort of stuff that would have me frustrated with this coaching staff but let's be honest Will you're really not going to know until the end of next year 
where you really stand with this staff. And the learning curve for quarterbacks, the learning curve for coaches, it's getting tighter and tighter. It's getting shorter and shorter. You don't get in the NFL for five years. That's just, you don't get it unless you have the most patient owner on the planet. So by the time we hit next year, I'm not saying it's a playoff mandate. Listen, I know the Jeff fan. I talk to him all the time. They're sick and tired of the losing. They're sick and tired of the excuses. But you do have to realize they're building this thing from the ground up. But by this time next year, here's my expectation. You need to be, you know, those graphics they show all the time, bro. I was on, just going to say NFL this. NFL Network and, and, and CBS and Fox this time of the year in the hunt. The Jets got to be one. I'm not saying they got to be a play. You got to be like playing relevant November and December football where you feel like you're not dead and buried by the time you hit Thanksgiving. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I was just going to say, like, my goal is next Halloween, the in-the-hunt graphic, when it makes its debut on Sunday Night Football. Well, it's going a little late now. Remember, with the schedule getting pushed back. So now it's like it's like mid-November. It, it used to be Halloween. Now it's like mid-November Thanksgiving is like the first time we're seeing this, which I know it's going to throw everybody off, but that's yeah. okay. Yeah, but even if the Jets are a four or five win team at this point next year, um, you know, they've had some games they could have won this year as well. Um, I kind of wanted to get your take on a little bit of, you know, the rookie QB class quickly as a whole. Everyone's pretty much struggled outside of Mac Jones, who's kind of taken what's been given. And I think there is a bit of an unnecessary hype, um, you know, surrounding Isaac NFL ready guy. Trevor Lawrence, who is the generational quarterback that, that once a 10 year guy has not been great. Justin Fields and Zach Wilson's stat lines are, are not pretty. Uh, Trey Lance hasn't played often. So what do you kind of make of this? There's just been the debate of three rookie quarterbacks going forward, play it, you know, right away, or this is supposed to be this amazing class, five great guys. And it's been like one and a half decent performances outside of Mac Jones so far. Well, let's be honest. Will. think about this for a minute. Trey Lance is not ready to play. He's not ready to play. A lot of people wanted to catapult him into that job for San Francisco. He's, He's got arm talent. He's got physical talent. He's clearly not ready to play and start at this level. Yeah, and look That's at San Fran. Good. They settled down, and now they're 5-5, five and five and they're a team that I don't And they're going to let Garoppolo play the rest of the year, and they're going to try to make the postseason, and then they'll evaluate come February, March. Okay, is Trey Lance ready to be a starter next year, or did we maybe misevaluate where he is? Wilson, listen, he's on a bad team. He was playing against cupcakes last year at BYU. Remember, <laughs> they couldn't exactly schedule because of COVID the same way they normally would. I mean, he went through the sisters of the poor. That is a major step up in competition. And I had no problem with the Jets running him out there because I do believe that you can learn on the job. But there have been some games where I have, and I wasn't a big believer in this. So I'll admit that I was a little bit off when it comes to this. Would have been nice having that sort of veteran mentor Early in the year, basically be like, dude, maybe you shouldn't be doing this. Maybe you shouldn't be doing that. Maybe to have that in addition to the coaching staff would have helped. And listen, Lawrence is going to be fine. The team is terrible. Terrible. Remember, Peyton Manning, Peyton Manning threw like seven more interceptions and touchdowns and was on a three-win Indianapolis team. And then the following year, they won 11-5 and and made the postseason. Now, I'm not proclaiming that's going to happen with Trevor Lawrence. But the idea that like people are saying, oh, he's a boss. He's not going to – let's cool the Jets on that, number one. And give Mac Jones credit. Listen, Mac Jones has gone into New England and has done exactly what they've wanted him to do. He could step in right away. They run a ton of play action. They have a skill set that's tailor-made for exactly what he's looking to do. And he doesn't screw it up. They run it well. They play top-notch defense. They're incredibly well-coached. I think Mac Jones was the perfect quarterback for New England. I I, I don't think he has star, like, can't miss talent 
but he's in the perfect, perfect place. And good for him. He's banging the most of it. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree there. One day on a couple other just, uh, you know, quick things. Obviously, you know, there, there's press conferences. It's hard to take a lot out of one way or another. Um, the, the concern in that 2018 draft with Baker was if he comes to the Jets, that New York market is going to be, is it going to be a mess for him? Um, I know he struggled with a ton of injuries. What did you make of those comments after all oh, the fans that are booing and like trashing the fan? I, I, are you as concerned a little bit with the way Baker's kind of doing the Baker cycle where now he's in the, you know, it's kind of complaining and stuff like that. Cause I felt like in the year, it's like he's going into a big off season with this extension and, and looming, obviously Lamar and Josh Allen are going to get there. It's like Baker's not guaranteed to get extended. Um, you know, that $40 million deal like everybody else is. I'm very worried about Baker Mayfield and I was one of his biggest proponents and I was one of his biggest fans. I thought he had a ton of swagger. I thought he had a ton of confidence. I thought he came on the scene and had a great rookie year where I was like, okay, I think the Browns are cooking with something here. He has not gotten better. Now, the injuries this year have clearly played a role in his performance. Anybody who's going to say otherwise is kidding themselves. But when you start fighting the Cleveland uh, Brown fan base, when you have your wife basically going on social media and, and sticking up for you and doing the same sort of stuff, you got to know full well it ain't going to end well. It's not going to be a pretty story if that's the way you think you should handle it. And yeah, well, listen, if I were the Cleveland Browns, I'm not rushing to go and give Baker Mayfield 35 to $40 million a year. And look, I think he's an adequate, fine, solid NFL starting quarterback. Is he yeah. a great quarterback? No, he, he, he's not. And that's the thing always when it comes to the quarterback discussion. It's one thing when you have one of these guys and you're not paying them because then you can kind of see, all right, are they going to grow? Are they going to develop? Can we, can we, maybe tailor-made our system to what we have around this particular player. Like you have time when the quarterback's not making any money. Once it comes time for the quarterback to get paid, you got to know, do we have our guy or not? And I'm not sold that Cleveland has their guy. And I'm, I'm bummed about that. Cause I love Baker. I really do. I love them in college. And I always root for my guys in college that I like attach myself to, to become stars. It has not been the case. Yeah, it's, it's just a weird one. Um, I wanted to hit on one other thing we saw last night. It's a pretty crazy game, obviously, Sunday night football. Um, Justin Herbert, I guess, had the basically the most amount of passing yards in a game while also having 90-plus rushing yards. It was a crazy performance. And obviously, as a Dolphins guy, and I think I, – I wasn't – I don't think two is as bad as people make him seem. I also don't think two has got – like that same star potential, maybe a Burrow or uh, Herbert do. How impressive have you been with? How impressed have you been with Herbert, especially in these big primetime games? He seems like he kind of takes that that next leap um, as all those really good quarterbacks do. Listen, he's got a big arm. He's incredibly mobile. He's incredibly talented. Now let's throw a little disclaimer in there with the Steelers. The Steelers didn't have Mika Fitzpatrick, T.J. Watt, and Joe Hayden playing defense yesterday. So it was basically a home game for the Steelers. Well, it was a home game for the Steelers. The Chargers yucked up a 17-point lead, and that was one of those games. Thank goodness Mike Williams was wide open in coverage, and he scored 50, 60 yards down the field. Herbert's a really good quarterback prospect, but I think the, the, the – listen, he's a better prospect than Tua. I'm not, I'm not going to debate that. The skill set is just it, – it's, it's just far greater. You know what I mean? Like, there are things that Herbert can do on the field. Tua just cannot, and it, it's, it's not a knock on Tua. It's just the reality of what Herbert has translated to in the NFL. But let's take that all into account. The hype train around Herbert being the next Mahomes, that's where I think people have gotten a little crazy. 
I think Herbert is a very good quarterback prospect. At the same time, Will, he's got a lot to prove. Like, I don't know if you feel this way. If you gave me a choice over the next three to five years, I'm taking Burrow over Herbert. I think he's got more I, I, I might take – I might still take Herbert, but I okay. would say, like, the average depth of target for Herbert is concerning. Like, he, his average depth of target's like, in the, like, bottom half of the league. And I, I don't know if that's coaching or not, but for that big enough arm and all these different physical traits, like, I expect you with that amount of talent of the Keenan Allens, they invested heavily in the offensive line. Like, I kind of expect what happened last night, and that's not really happened all year. So, I, I was really impressed with Burrow in person two weeks uh, – a month ago against the Jets. I know he didn't play great – he moves around the pocket so well, and I feel like he's he got to always... protect his body. That's yeah, the biggest that's the one concern thing. I have about him. Even yesterday in that Raider game, he's throwing his body around like a rag doll. Protect the body, and I'm telling you, Burrow, Burrow has this sort of leadership element that he brings to the table that I think should not get lost on anybody. Like, it's one of those, like, intangible factors that sometimes can be the difference in, like, being the guy in a city. If that makes sense. No, it makes a ton of sense. It's they're both. I think Burrow's only going to get better. Remember people forget like 12 months ago, he destroyed his knee, like as bad as you could possibly destroy it. So he's only going to get better um, going forward. Actually one quick Jets thing. We'll finish up with one other press, one other comment that floated around on uh floated around on Twitter this weekend. What's, what's the expectations maybe from, you know, the Jets have seven games left, probably four or five games. They could potentially win. They're not beating the bucks or the bills. Um, is two or three more wins on the schedule kind of achievable and the Jets get to four or five wins, they double their win total from last year. Is that kind of what fans should be expecting? Um, or is the win total, it's just about Zach Wilson and developing. See, I don't think it's about the win total. Now, yeah, Texans is a winnable game. Philly's a winnable game. You play my team in a couple of weeks. That's probably, it's not at home, so probably a tougher game to win. But you, you get my drift. They can win two more games. It's not about that. How's the quarterback look? Is he growing? Building a chemistry with a guy like Moore? Getting quarterback on the field. The look, well, you'll know if the team's moving in the right direction. I think the look is far more important than the actual win-loss record. I do. Yeah. Uh, I, I totally agree. I think it's, you know, you want to see stuff out of Zach Wilson. We'll finish with this, and then we'll, next time we have you on, we'll, we'll hit more Yankee stuff. But um, Carlos Correa is a guy that I, I, frankly, I know he's a really good player, but guys with back issues that, you know, are rivals, I just, whatever. For whatever reason, I'd rather Corey Seager, other than just being a lefty and all these different things. The Jeter comments, obviously the fans get sensitive to Jeter stuff. And me and you kind of grew up in like the prime Jeter year. So obviously we're, we're fired up. How were like, an, how confused were you about those comments with the gold glove stuff? Like when you're the Marlins and the Yankees were two teams bidding for you. And then you're kind of taking shots at Jeter who owns the Marlins and is a Yankee legend. Were you not confused by that? Uh, my gut feel is that Carlos Correa probably already has a sense of where he's going and Miami and the Yankees are not those particular places. You know what I mean? Like, I think you kind of know, and you kind of have a sense, Hey, I'm, I'm good here. So if I want to go and take a shot at Derek Jeter, Hey, it, it, it I know it's not going to go and win over the New York fans who probably don't like me much to begin with. Anyway, uh, Miami, when it comes to the baseball fans, is not much to choose from anyway, to begin with. Um, but I think Correa is going to end up, with the Detroit Tigers. He's got the connection with AJ Hinch. They had this big bougie lunch the other day. The Tigers need a leader. The Tigers have the ability to go and spend some money this offseason. And I'm with you. I think Seager is the perfect guy for the Yankees to go get. They need a lefty. He could transition over to third base. Now, truth be told, if they ended up with Carlos Correa, I would take it because I think he's a badass and I think that team could use a little kick in the ass. So from that standpoint, I wouldn't be opposed, but I prefer Seager. So I I I'm with you there. Comments aside, which kind of were a little silly, 
Uh, e- even if you want to get on Jeter's defensive metrics, like the guy's a first bout Hall of Famer. He's one of the best to ever do it. Shut up. You know what yeah, I mean? And just, I love Jeter's kingly response to that. So uh, that, G- that Jeter response was fantastic. It was such a Jeter response too. He's, oh, I don't, I don't speak that much Spanish. And I was like, oh, wow, this guy's a beast. Um, you know, obviously the Yankees are in a, in a total we'll see what happens. Obviously the, the Billy Epler thing with the Mets is interesting and there's a lot of baseball headlines, but as we mentioned, you know, if you guys do not listen to New York, New York, I, it's a, it's a subscribe for me. It's a, it's every, uh, every couple of days it comes out. Um, it's awesome. J- you know, JJ's got great guests, some great rants, the caller voicemails. It's, you'll feel like you're listening to WFAN, but in a, in a more podcast setting where it's relevant, right. You know, right on the dots. So we always appreciate you coming on. And I know you got some stuff going on tonight as well. Fans can catch you to catch you out there as well. Well, you got it, man. Anytime, bro. Appreciate a couple minutes. Thanks for having me, all right? All right, of course. Take care.